I'm Janine. You're watching Get the Funk Out. The show is also broadcasting on KUCI 88.9 FM, but I decided to do a video component so you could actually see my guests. And today I'm joined by Robert Melillo. Did I get that right? You did, yeah. All right. <laughs> With much practice. Uh, thanks so much for uh, connecting today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Tell me a little bit about your background. My background is... Um, I started out um, as a chiropractor, and then I got a subspecialty in neurology, and then in rehabilitation. Um, and so my focus was really trying to look at um, more natural ways to deal with neurological type of conditions, but combining neurology and rehab and kind of like a sports medicine approach to neurological issues. Um, I always had a I believed in diet and nutrition as well. So I always did a lot with nutrition. Um, and then, uh, but there was a point in time where um, one of my own kids was actually labeled with ADHD. And I also had some friends who had their children and they asked me, you know, what it was and what could be done because I was already teaching clinical neurology and I was doing brain research. Um, so, you know, I realized that most professionals out there really had no idea what was happening in the brain and neither did I. But I knew that, you know, if I had a shot at even helping my son, I needed to know what the problem was. So I kind of dedicated my life at that point to really solving the issue of, you know, what is ADHD? And that led to really the whole really spectrum of neurobehavioral disorders like autism, OCD, Tourette's, dyslexia, learning disabilities, and it turns out they're all really related to one another in that what is actually happening in the brain is really one single underlying problem that manifests differently in individuals called a functional disconnection. So I dove into that research, eventually published a, a major textbook on it uh, in 2004. Since then, I have um, six best-selling books I've been lecturing. Thank you. I also have a I also have a degree in neuropsychology and clinical rehabilitation. I also have a degree in neuroscience. I'm doing a PhD right now as well. So I've continued. I have many different degrees, multiple backgrounds. I head up a research lab. I'm a university professor. I teach all over the world, um, and I also am the co-founder of a company called Brain Balance Achievement Centers, which took my program that I designed to really resolve these issues. Uh, and we put them into learning centers. We have over a hundred of them around the country. We've worked with almost 40,000 kids in the past 10 years with a like 95% success rate of correcting these problems. So that's, that's my incredible. Point. Cause a lot of people think that the medication is going to solve the problems from what I have heard. If you don't mind me interjecting, Sure. That sometimes some of the uh, symptoms can be corrected with diet. Is that correct? Uh, yes, actually. And what you said was, was very correct. The symptoms can be, but not the underlying Not the problem. root problem. Right. So my, again, my goal is any parent, right? When I work with parents, um, of course you want, if, if there's medication or something that will help in the short term to manage the issue, especially when a family's in crisis, by all means, you know, choose it. Um, Diet and, and uh, has been shown to be equally as effective in medication as managing the symptoms, especially in elimination diets for things yes. like gluten and dairy. Um, and gluten, right? 
And gluten and dairy, yeah, yes. the two most common. Egg, gluten, dairy, egg are the one, the three most common. But the what my research was really is what is the core problem? And really, the interesting thing is that it, it turns out that it it's this developmental imbalance that really starts either in the womb or early on in life. There is no damage. It's not a genetic mutation in any of these issues. Um, there are genes that are altered in their expression, but that's because of environmental factors that can be changed and modified. But mainly it's because we have certain people with traits where they're gifted in one area of their brain or really on the left side or the right side. And so what we find is they have this trait in autism and in schizophrenia uh, and ADHD. It's really called an autism schizophrenia trait. It's really the left brain is dominant. That's really mm -hmm. the trait. And we find that there, it's also called an intellect trait. They're very intellectual, they're very bright, you know, analytical, math, science, school, academics, very good memory for details. But if the right side doesn't keep up, they struggle with attention, anxiety, social issues, nonverbal communication, getting the big picture. Whereas, you know, they have other families that have what's called a creativity trait, which is really more this right brain dominance. You see people in the family that are all great artists or they're all great athletes. They have what we call visual spatial skills, architecture, design, painting, writing. Um, and they are extremely creative, but if their left brain doesn't keep up, they develop this imbalance and that can lead to bipolar disorder and it can also lead to dyslexia. So, you know, there's a number of different issues that go on. That's the underlying problem. So medication doesn't balance that out. Diet and nutrition doesn't. It, it improves it up and down, but it doesn't deal with the core issue. But we can deal with the core issue, and, and that's been pretty much proven that we can change that. That's really fascinating. I've, I've heard different stories of uh, someone has autism, someone's born with THC in their system and they get ADHD, is there a way to correct that or just the same thing with diet can help control some of the behaviors and? Well, some of the things that can be confusing is that there's a lot of things that can lead to attentional problems, right? So people can have attentional problems because they have a lot on their mind, you know, maybe because they're very anxious, um, you know, if they've been emotionally abused. So there's a lot of different things. But when we talk about ADHD, it's a specific clinical issue, and we know what's happening in the brain. I've published papers on this, many people have. Um, and so we know that it primarily affects the right side. The right side, we have five different types of human attention. Four out of the five are all right brain. And we know when the right brain, especially sustained attention, which is the main thing affected in ADHD. So we know that there's a delay on the right side and they have these exceptional left brain skills. They're very bright. This unevenness of skills is characteristic of all of these. They don't just have average skills. The skills they have are exceptional, even genius level, like, you know, in savant syndrome. Um, but that, in, but that, you know, their strengths being, they, they have overactivity in certain areas of their brain. And that leads to things like obsessive behavior, compulsive behavior, hyperactivity. Um, at the same time, they have lack of nonverbal communication or lack of understanding social cues or not being able to pay attention. 
and it affects the body. It affects the immune system because the brain is the ultimate regulator of the immune system. That's what most people don't understand right now is that really it's, it's all about your brain. Your brain is going to regulate and it is the main way to protect yourself against any sort of virus or anything like that. Ultimately, it's your own body one way or the other. Sure. Yeah. I've heard stories of people as adults being diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Adult ADHD is one of the fastest growing problems amongst adults right now. We know that ADHD in kids is the number one mental disorder amongst the youth. It affects at least 11%. And most of them also have a diagnosis, usually of OCD or Tourette's or tics or something like that. Um, and even though it almost always will start in childhood, it may not fully manifest until adulthood or late, late childhood. So we see that you know, if the, these things never go away, we don't outgrow them, they don't fix themselves. If they're there, they're usually present. And this is true for almost every adult mental health issue that we know, that it almost all starts in childhood. Now, it can happen later on as well um, for slightly different reasons, but it's the same issue. So yes, we see that in adult population, it is now the fastest rising issue. And it will probably in the next couple of years be the number one mental disorder amongst the adults as well. Not only because it's been really building up at an epidemic level for 30 years. So now, you know, the people that were in the front of the wave are now becoming adults. Don't you think there's a lot of things right now in 2020 that are so distracting to, to adults? Like I'm looking at, with the phones, you know, like we're, we're doing this, we're, you know, we're, constantly connected to technology, we're so distracted and we're not present. I feel like it's definitely a time to dial in and try to focus, which is hard for people to be present. Our well, brains want to go all over the place. Yeah, I'll take it one step further. I, you know, I've written in my books and looked at it from research. I think the development of digital technology is what has caused this explosion of ADHD and autism and especially the right brain deficits. Um, especially in males. Um, and this is because, um, you know, it's the number one environmental factor. My third book, Autism, the Scientific Truth, is all about what causes these things. What are the environmental and epigenetic and genetic issues that lead to this? And the number one factor, I believe, is the fact that the rise in technology has reduced our physical activity levels oh, yeah. and increased our stress levels. And what we really know now is that software affects the brain. I mean, it literally reshapes the brain. And most of the time, most, so, most uh, digital media will actually uh, activate the left side of the brain, which is the same side of the brain that's active in OCD and Tourette's and tics and addictions. So literally it becomes addictive. I mean, some people have referred to it as digital crack because it literally affects the same reward networks, the dopaminergic networks on that left side of the brain. Um, and when you already have that imbalance, and now people with left brain skills that are highly intelligent, they're drawn to technology, and now they get addicted to that technology, and it actually makes their problem worse. And sometimes it can even lead to, um, the right brain does something called reality testing, meaning it tells us, is this real or not? right? And so if the left brain gets so high and the right brain is low, we lose our ability to judge if this is real or not. That's psychosis. Sure. In long term, that's schizophrenia. 
And that can even lead to things, I believe, like what we see in school shootings. I was going to say, uh, do you feel, because I have my opinion, that all this technology use has caused a lot of depression in kids? It's absolutely affected the brain. And I think the lack, I think the biggest, one of the biggest effects, not only is that the technology affects the brain, but that it reduces movement dramatically. And kids need movement more than anything else to still simulate their brain. Adults too. Motor activity is the number one thing that builds the brain. It's the number one thing that stimulates the brain. And what we find again, all these things start in childhood. And what I work on, one of the things I'm working on my PhD research right now is looking at something called primitive reflexes. What is and that? This is really powerful. Primitive reflexes are things that we're born with, reflexes, motor reflexes that we have in the first year of life. The baby doesn't have really a brain or a motor cortex when it's born, but it needs to move. Again, movement helps to stimulate our senses, which ultimately stimulate the growth of the brain. And the brain builds from the bottom up, from the brain stem up. So like a plant growing out of the ground or a flower, and the brain emerges, and then it comes down and regulates everything. So these reflexes are there in the brain stem to help us, like to help a baby suck and, and nurse, mm -hmm. um, grasping reflexes, what we call startle responses, uh, orienting responses. And they ultimately lead to the baby rolling over, they lead to them crawling, um, eventually lead to them obviously standing up and walking at exactly one year. And then the ref that, that the last reflex should go away. What we find is that in almost every case of kids or adults that have a history of these neurobehavioral disorders, they always have retained primitive reflexes, meaning some of these reflexes, sometimes all of these reflexes, which are about eight or nine of them typically, um, never go away. And they, and they are the reason why the brain doesn't progress. And when it acts as a, a roadblock, and it literally is like this arrested development, and it affects primarily the right side of the brain more, and then the left side kicks in too early, and, and this imbalance is... Uh, is really started then. And um, so, again, that's about movement. So what we see is almost all these kids, they don't crawl properly, they don't walk on time, and they're usually told by their pediatrician that it doesn't matter, but that's completely wrong. It does matter. It actually is very, very important. And it's a window into what's happening. And if they're delayed or altered in crawling, they're usually delayed in walking. If they're delayed in walking, they're delayed in talking. But the good news is we can go back and easily get rid of these reflexes at any age. That's good. And it unlocks the brain. It's amazing. So let's jump over to COVID. Mm -hmm. uh, because I've read some of the things that uh, were written about your opinions about different things and immune, uh, strengthening your immune system. Um, I know I've heard about the Kawasaki disease. Uh, that's an offshoot of coronavirus that's impacting children. And I know you live in New York. And what's going on with that? You know, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've heard of it again. I think these are very rare, isolated cases. Um, I, I, and, you know, Kawasaki is an autoimmune component to it. So it's hard to know exactly, you know, what, you know, if it is directly related to COVID or not. I think there's some question about that. Um, I, I think right now, in my opinion, and again, because I'm not in a hospital seeing these cases, sure. so um, I don't know. But in my opinion, I think that 
you know, the numbers are, the numbers are really hard to understand right now. I think in some cases, uh, like I've heard that in nursing homes, they're under reporting them in hospitals. They're over reporting them because, you know, they're, they can get more funding for it. Um, and I guess they want to make sure that they don't miss it. Um, and I, you know, I think that there may be a tendency to also jump to a conclusion that something's happening and it's automatically related to this. What we do know is that, you know, the brain, as I said, regulates the immune system. The left brain activates the immune system. The right brain then suppresses it. So we, we need to have a perfect balance, right? When we are infected, we need our left brain to kick in. It needs to activate our, what we call T cells and B cells, our, our immune cells so that they go out and they attack and they kill whatever's there and the antibodies are produced so that we can identify even small little viruses. And it, we, it needs to be very active and form a memory. And then the right brain needs to come in and it needs to shut it off and say, okay, stop, because otherwise then we can start attacking our own body or a, a react to foods like gluten or dairy, which is not food we should react to. And so what we see is that some kids, um, especially kids with autism or things like that, they have a hyperactive immune system. So they may be more prone to, if they do get infected, they may have an overactive response. And this is some of the things that we're thinking, even with some of the lung problems that people are having, is that some people, they were overreacting. Their immune system was too strong, and that was really what was damaging um, you know, their lungs. Yeah. Uh, other kids with left brain delays they are more prone to infections. We see that these are the kids that get ear infections, that get tubes in placed in their ears and eventually have their tonsils taking out. They get strep throat a lot. So, you know, either way, there are some risks. Ultimate, ultimately, again, trying to correct and make sure there's good balance in the brain is really the best protection. So what would you suggest people do who have children to keep their immune system strong and even for adults? Yeah. Um, one is, you know, I wouldn't keep them in a house all day. Um, I would try to keep them physically active because, again, in childhood, what drives the brain and the brain then controls the immune system and the stress response is movement. So I think if you keep them as physically active as possible, obviously sunlight generates vitamin D, but vitamin D is the single most important thing. I mean, if you're going to take one supplement, it's vitamin D because it actually literally balances out the immune response and makes sure that the immune response is appropriate. And it also is protective for the gut lining so that if anything gets into our gut, it doesn't get into our body as much. Yeah. Um, vitamin zinc? C Excuse me, what about zinc? Yeah, zinc is helpful as well. Vitamin C is also helpful as well. Um, but I think vitamin D is the most important. Um, and so, you know, making sure that they're physically active you know, boosting the brain, doing things that are good for the left brain to make sure it's strong. Um, if you have a kid that, let's say, has autism or something like that, you don't really need to boost that left brain anymore. It's already too strong. Mm -hmm. um, so doing things with them that are more right brain, more creative, get them outside, get them in nature, get them away from the video games and from the TV. Right much as possible i was going to say lay a blanket down in your backyard or little yeah. area paint right. a whole bunch of supplies and let them go to town creating absolutely that's what my yeah. wife used to do all the time with our kids and neighborhood kids and you mm -hmm. know just put clay out and let them go go crazy with it sure. um you know and then 
The other thing is uh, if there's if they have left brain weaknesses or if they they have no weakness, really do left brain things. So like funny videos, um, funny games where you're laughing. Laughing is a left brain type of thing. And we know that laughing is really one of the best things you can do for your immune system. And it's because it stimulates the left brain. Um, you know, watching enjoyable movies like that, listening to music that is really upbeat is very left brain stimulating. The color red is very stimulating to the, to the left brain. Blue, green, violet, those are more right brain colors. And literally, this is, is scientifically, this is how it works. So even using different colors, like if they're going to paint, using different things like that. Um, the left brain, again, loves reading. So trying to read, you know, or writing with them or trying to write a book or, you know, have them write a song or even a rap song and perform it. I mean, these That's are good. things that work on both sides of the brain. But do things. Don't just let them, you know, try to be physically active. One of the things I do see, I read something like where there's a kind of a shortage of bikes right now because I've never seen so many kids riding bikes since I was a kid. That's and good and especially as families. And it, that's really great. I hope that continues after this because Me too. that's ultimately the law, the solution of preventing these issues is really going to be that. I hope we keep some of these good habits that we've started to do the positive things that are happening because of the situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, what's interesting is uh, Florida here just opened. So my wife and I went to a restaurant for the first time last night. A restaurant opened. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it was oh, it was so wonderful to be in a restaurant. And I think everybody that was there was so happy. I've never had such good service from server, servers. Everybody just seemed to really, you know, you appreciate now when things are taken away from you. Yes. I think the servers appreciated the customers and being able to work and the people that were there really appreciated them. Mm -hmm. And I think that moving forward, hopefully we'll have a greater appreciation and be kinder to one another because man, we certainly need that. Don't we? We definitely do. Where can people find out more about you? Um, my website, drrobertmalillo.com. That's uh, M E L I L L O uh, has everything there that they want. My book disconnected kids is, my best-selling book. It's been translated into about 12 languages worldwide. It's sold about a half a million copies. It's one of the best-selling books. It's a home program that people can use now. So for $10, they could use this program and use it. And I, and I get letters from all over the world from people that use it um, and are doing you know great with it. So it's something that they can actually, actually implement right now. Um, so they can go to my website and find that I'm on Instagram and the Dr. Rob Melillo. Facebook, a very active Facebook page, and uh, just released my latest book, which is my first novel, and it's called Einstein's Desk. And it's another way, it's another avenue. You know, my wife and I had done a TV show, a web series called Disconnected Kids, Reconnected Families, That's which nice. was a web series where we went in and actually worked with families in their home. It was kind of like a super nanny type of thing, but specific to kids with disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is a new medium where it's an entertaining book. Basically, the heroes in the book is a kid who was, is initially diagnosed with autism. And um, he, you know, his parents are these warrior parents, like the kind I've dealt with my whole career, that never stop and always looking for solutions. And then they find a doctor like me and like colleagues of mine and people that have dedicated their lives to this and is able to unlock this kid's genius and he turns him on to Einstein and he becomes obsessed with Einstein. And 
he's able to, uh, he becomes obsessed with Einstein's, a picture of Einstein's desk the day before he died. And if you've ever seen a picture of it, it's a perfect picture of a right brain genius. It's a mess. And it's it? covered, <laughs> covered with paper. Just Google Einstein's okay, desk. Okay, I will. And you'll see papers everywhere. And so I always thought, I looked at that. I've done a lot of research on Einstein. I thought, you know, he was trying to figure out the, the ultimate secret of the universe when he died, what was called the unified theory. And um, how do we know he didn't, right? Like, what if it was there on that desk and he didn't expect to die the next day, mm -hmm. right? And so did anybody ever look through that, that knew what they were looking at? And could there have been a secret? Maybe he did figure it out. So in this book, it kind of, this kid kind of figures that out and realizes that he did figure it out. And, and so he learns how to unlock these secrets. And, uh, but at the same time, there are other people that want this because it also, you know, it unlocks the secret of time travel and time travel is the ultimate weapon. So there's all these bad people that want it and, the, and you know, it's connected to Nikola Tesla. And so it goes, it's a, it's a whole murder mystery type of book and it's really pretty fascinating, but it's like Da Vinci Code for science. Yeah. But it's my way of really educating. We put a lot of brain science and a lot of physics and we, we kind of mix that together in the book. And so it's a real way of educating people that maybe wouldn't want to sit down and read a book like My Disconnected Kids, but might really enjoy this kind of adventure book. So it's, and it's out there and I wrote it with my brother, which makes it even more special. Aww, that's yeah. nice. He's what's, a, he's what's your brother's name? My brother's name is Dominic. Dominic. He's a novelist. He has three of his own novels, but... Um, you know, this was something that we collaborated and kind of brought all of our, what we used to sit at night in our bedroom and talk about all these crazy science stuff. And we were able to kind of put it all in a book. So it's very special to me. Have you always had a very creative mind and, and, um, when you were little, like, did you always have this love of learning and curiosity? Um, yeah, I did. I did. I, I my father really instilled in us a love of literature as well. He used to always read poems. He had this classic book of poems and we would read them and he wrote some poems and I liked writing. Um, my family was very athletic. So we're very right brain dominant family, visual, spatial. So sports, athletics and writing and, and science and, you know, very curious. So there's creativity from the standpoint of, of that, you know, I wasn't an artist or a painter like my wife is. Uh, or my kids are. My daughter's a singer-songwriter. My kids are artists. My wife's an artist. That's great. But, um, but I was definitely creative in the science area. That was something that always fascinated me. Um, and so, you know, that kind of manifested itself later on. So one last question. My show is called Get the Funk Out. <laughs> Any advice for people that are in a funk right now? Because it would be very easily, you know, very possible to be in a funk considering what's going on. Absolutely. And, you know, I do a, uh, a kind of a mo personal development motivational page, but really talking about real brain science in it, because ultimately the brain is what provides motivation and beliefs and sets goals. It's literally called self-regulation. It has to do with the frontal lobe. Forming habits has to do with an area of the brain called the basal ganglia. And it's called um, Better Than Good, the, the Science of Happiness and Success. It's a Facebook page. And I you know, every once in a while I, I would do challenges. And so I did this 30 day challenge that's now going to a 60 day challenge where just to get people to try to build habits because people can really get in a funk. And the main thing is that it freezes them. They don't do anything. 
you know, this freeze response is this ancient response when we're in danger and it stops us from doing things. And, you know, I have to say that the main, the media, I think there's some outlets that are just scaring people unnecessarily. I mean, they're just fear mongering and it's not, and it's really not accurate. Scientifically, it's not accurate and it's counterproductive. And I don't understand because, you know, to me, we would want everybody to go back to work, right? People are struggling and suffering and, and, you know, we want to be safe, of course, but I just think they're creating, some people I know are so fearful. They're like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And the chances of you dying in this is probably going to be like 0.001%. So I think that, you know, the main thing is to do something. Use this time productively. You know, I talk to people, because I've written books, I have people come up to me all the time and say, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. Write a freaking book. Write a book. Just do write it. a book. Ever been a better time. Right. How do I do it? Write it, right? Put the button you know? the chair. Yeah, just start writing. You know, what do you want to do? Write a song. Um, you know, sit down and write a plan of your life. Write goals. Writing is so important um, to get things to go. But really, you know, create a vision. Maybe the job you're going back to isn't the job you're supposed to be doing. And maybe this is your opportunity to change your life. Yes. Right? Take the opportunity and, and look at it and look at it positively. Exercise. I've been exercising more in the last 60 days than I have. And I exercise a lot, but more this last 60 days. I've gotten in better shape than I am, you know, have been in, in a few years. That's great. Uh, you know, just do, do something. Don't just sit there watching TV or watching, right. you know, the things that are going to scare you and waiting for the world to fall apart. Um, do something. Writing something, you know exercise, move your body, go outside. Don't be a war. Don't be afraid. Just yes. go, you know, Growth mindset. Yeah. Use this as a time mm-hmm. really where, you know, when do we get this amount of free time generally, if you're one of those people, obviously I Never. feel for the people that are in the front lines that are out there working more than ever, but most of us have a lot more free time and a lot more time with your family, which is also can be a blessing if you really utilize that. But mm-hmm. I think that this is a time to really look, Look at your life, write a plan for what you want your life to be when you leave. I actually did a workshop on my website. I have a three and a half hour workshop that, that, that leads people through how to be able to develop and write, literally write a life plan and goals that really works, that's really effective. That's if great. You go to my website, it's right on there. And, and give, that's give it really one more time, your website, and then we got to wrap up. DrRobertMalillo.com. Okay. M E L I. L-L-O. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for calling in. This has been great. Thank you. It was great. I really appreciate it. You had me on.